Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Planted Podcast where we talk about the power of plants and how you can optimise your health and fitness around this lifestyle. So this week I'm really excited to welcome onto the podcast Dr. Leo Venus. Now Dr. Venus is a medical doctor focusing on serious vegans implementing their best possible holistic lifestyle. Now I've been following Dr. Venus's journey for quite a long time, he probably doesn't know this. Um, and he's played a very pivotal role in uh, helping me to become the vegan I am today. So, Dr. Venus, or Leo, if I can call you that, how are you doing today? Hey, Tom, I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. And uh, I'm flattered to hear that, uh, you know, all this that I've been a part So, So I'm uh, happy to hear that. And uh, it's really cool to, to connect with you finally. We've been chatting on Instagram for a while. So it's, uh, it's fun to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we finally got it in. But it is a strange thing, isn't it, with the, um, you know, the online presence. And I'm sure there's lots of people in a similar situation. You obviously have a profile online. And I've been watching you for a good few years and never, never like reached out until now. Um, so I'm aware of, you know, kind of your whole journey through medical school and, you know, all your posts and contents really helped me to definitely become the vegan I am now and shape how I help my clients. Um, so it's just, it's, it's so surreal, isn't it, when you think that, um, you can be putting that message out there. You can be helping people without even realizing it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, you know, that's, I think, the most motivating part of this is when you do that and then you're getting the feedback, you're getting messages from people that they helped you go vegan or, or that you helped them go vegan. And, and, you know, this is, for me, the, the most motivating part. And though, the you know, the, the meeting people in person is always a bit funny, though, because... <laughs> You know, when you're looking at people over YouTube or Instagram and you're chatting, you, you kind of have this picture of how people are through their pictures or through online, right? And then you meet them in person and sometimes it's just, it's like meeting someone who you've only seen on TV. You don't really know how tall they are and stuff like that, and especially for yeah. me because I'm a pretty tall guy a lot of times. You know, I just have this picture of people being these massive people and then I see them, you know, in person. I'm like, oh, whoa, like this is not <laughs> quite the proportions I'd for some reason had in my mind. So it's a definitely funny but uh yeah i've had so many good experiences meeting people in real life that i've only chatted to online and, and usually it's a uh, people are, are quite just the same and it's very very uh, pleasant experience so i have a lot of friends now that i initially only met online which is you know, a few years back i would have felt, felt that was a bit strange but but now yeah. it's a, we have a big number of friends like that so it's, it's really cool absolutely i think there was definitely a it was almost frowned upon, wasn't it, not long ago when people used to meet off online and, uh, exactly, yeah. you know, but now it's a completely different world for lots of different, lots of different ways. But yeah, it's a positive thing for sure. Um, but just, I'd love to know a bit more about your vegan journey, actually, and specifically why you were at medical school. Because I know that I've had a few other medical professionals on this podcast and they've often spoke about how it's while they're practicing um, that they suddenly have a realization that actually the system's not set up in the way that they, you know, wanted it to be in that they, they mm -hmm. signed up to help people. And ultimately the system in the way it is where it's, you know, very good at treating acute cases and you might, you might disagree or agree with this, but not very good at treating chronic illnesses. Um, you know, they, they realize that this is maybe not quite what they wanted to get out of, um, you know, their career. Um, but yourself came to this realization quite early, didn't you? In sort of mid midway through medical school, was it? Or? 
Uh, yeah, actually, uh, that's that's the thing. Uh, you know, I had a bit of an unfair advantage because I actually went vegan before I even went to medical school. So, oh, right. uh, you know, I've already been doing this for seven years now. Uh, so I, I had a bit of an early start. I was my mind was already thinking even before that, you know, I've always been a bit of a health freak. Uh, I think it's been instilled in me by my mother, who's always, you know, even though we weren't vegan, she always gave us a lot of fruits, a lot of veggies. We always ate a lot of legumes. So we had a relatively healthy a diet in our upbringing, even before we were vegan. Uh, and uh, there was always this focus on health and focus on, on prevention and, and long-term lifestyle and diet and stuff like that. So, you know, I think I picked that up from my mother. I used to do all sorts of crazy things when, you know, <laughs> I believed things that were healthy. Like there was a period of time in my early teenage years that I would, I would drink pure olive oil just from the bottle because I thought, you know, I heard Mediterranean diet, olive oil is healthy, right? Uh, another thing I used to do is I used to eat mackerel like from a tube because I heard fish is healthy and I actually hated, hated the taste of mackerel. But because I thought it was healthy, I would take it as medicine. I would just squeeze the tube and just, you know, force myself to, <laughs> to eat this mackerel because I thought it was so healthy. Obviously nowadays, like I know that that's not the case and, and don't do these things anymore. But I've always had a very, very, very strash and a very interesting. In, in health in terms of of uh, optimizing health rather than just you know having this kind of short-term uh, mentality around just taking medications whenever you get ill so so yeah so I went vegan uh, first of all uh, when I went vegan it was it's mostly the, the health benefits I saw documentaries like forks over knives uh, and uh, I just thought to myself I was actually doing my bachelor's degree in bioengineering so I was already in the scientific field and I was already mm -hmm. getting into the research process and 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 citing and, and, and looking over literature and statistics and all of that kind of stuff. So I was already a scientist, if you will. And so when I saw these things, the forks over knives, I'm sure you are aware. I don't know. Have you seen that, that movie, Tom? You know, that one I haven't actually seen. It's been oh, on okay, TV okay. for a while, but yeah, I'll have to get that done. I, yeah, that's one of the OG documentaries, right? So, uh, but you know, it's a quite a scientific, you know, it's, uh, it's got all these nutritionists, doctors, and it's a, has a kind of very scientific approach to it and it talks a lot about the China study and different research mm. and uh, as a scientist myself I kind of you know went against so much of what I believe so I, I kind of just watched that movie and thought to myself well this can't be true if, if this is true like I have to because it, it looked very serious and it looked very you know very well made and it looked it looked true so I was like well if this is true let me check and I started reading up on the research started looking up uh, different nutritional papers and, and reading over these topics and the more I read the more I found that wait a second this is actually you know this is actually a thing it's not just you know no not to discredit the ethical part of veganism but it's not just this hippie movement of hug trees and love animals right that's so many people uh, kind of uh, have the, the stereotype before but there's actually a lot of hard science there's a lot of good science supporting this movement and as any scientist should, I kind of just put my hands up and said, well, I guess I was wrong. And, and you know, the, the actual uh, truth of the matter, the, the better science is actually in the direction of being plant-based. So yeah, that was enough for me to say, you know what, I'm going to change my everyday living and, and go towards uh, being vegan on my everyday life. But then I still kind of had exceptions when I visited family or if I was mm -hmm. at a party and somebody served me something I'll just have whatever right but on my everyday life I was already whole food plant-based 
And then almost a year in, that's when I started making the ethical, the environmental connections. Right. And uh, then I, that's when I went 100% and start, started being that the rude soy boy who says, no, thank you, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So you say you were vegan before you went to medical school. So did you always have from the outset uh, the mindset of when I become a doctor, this is what I want to do? You know, I don't want to go into practice i don't want to specialize i want to focus on promoting this way of living yeah so so that's a funny thing actually because uh, you know for me um medicine wasn't really this preordained journey i know a lot of my friends um, i'm actually visiting one of my best friends who went to medical school with me in my class here in ottawa in canada right now he's working in the hospital and you know for him for example he grew up knowing he wanted to be a doctor, right? That was kind of his, from his childhood, that was his dream. He wanted to work as a doctor. For me, it was more like, I'm good at science. I'm good at math. I'm, I'm interested in health. Medicine sort of makes sense. I got in and I just went for it. So I, I never had this kind of uh, a plan of exactly what I wanted to do. And, and it kind of, things just took shape as I went through my own journey. I started really making realizations and, and thinking more along the lines of where am I going to go, right? So that was for, for me um, kind of how it went. And, and, and you're right, when I was in medical school, you do, do see a lot of the mistakes and a lot of the issues within this industry. You see how, as you mentioned, that the chronic lifestyle related diseases are being, you know, we're, we're failing miserably in that aspect, in that regard of health. So uh, the acute care model works very well for emergencies. It works very well for uh, infections things like that but when it comes to diabetes hypertension heart disease cancers i mean we've we've been employing the same tactics for decades and, and with really bad results so uh it's you know it's it's one of the things that went along what as i went through medical school and i got a better view of how things worked in the industry i definitely did have a few uh, you know shockers that were like oh wow this is really uh, quite <laughs> quite far from the hospital still right and that is not to say, you know, disrespect the medical field. I have so much respect for it. And, and mm. you know, uh, all my colleagues who are working in hospitals, et cetera, they're doing a really important job. But there's definitely many, many uh, holes that need to be filled when it comes to prevention and when it comes to lifestyle. Uh, and that's why I decided that, you know, I'm going to do uh, what I'm doing today, which is helping people to learn what behaviors are going having the best long-term health that they can have uh, so that's that's kind of the short version of the story brilliant so just going back to your colleagues while you're at medical school um, i know you posted a video quite some time ago and it was about some comments that you made um, i can't remember exactly what it was but it was a little bit controversial i think and it was received um a little bit controversially how how did your colleagues kind of deal with your um your outlook obviously and, and your way of doing things or thinking about things did, were they in you know, supportive for most of it or, or did, were there sometimes clashes? Yeah, so uh, 100% uh, there were clashes. And uh, I think, to, to be honest, most of it came from not really the health or the plant-based nutrition or the lifestyle part of it. It mostly came from veganism, like the word right. vegan, right? Because this is another passion of mine that I like to promote. And as I'm sure you're aware, you know, veganism is a very emotional topic. Our food is a very mm -hmm. emotional uh, thing for for most of us right and uh, um, when I started on my journey my my communication skills my knowledge of social social psychology wasn't at the point that it is now so I definitely made a lot of mistakes mm -hmm. throughout the years and I definitely pushed a few people away so um, yeah I, I mean I, I definitely did 
talk about how, how openly and, and, and very maybe a bit too strongly sometimes a bit too uh, opinionated in, in matters when it came to uh, you know lifestyle related disease which just so happens to be the most common form of disease which probably everyone in my class at least knows someone or has someone in the family who has it right so you can see how it's already a setup that can uh, allow a lot of people to to have opinions and, and get affected and, and, and be offended. Uh, and then there's the aspect of veganism, right, where you're talking about ethics and you're talking about the environment, then people feel like you are judging them for being a worse person than you somehow. So, you know, I've, I've come to realize that even saying that you're vegan sometimes <laughs> can be offensive to certain people, right? So, um, yeah, so it's definitely have been clashes there. The first year in medical school, like I said, I was very pushy. I would take every chance I had to kind of talk about something that uh, was uh, related to veganism. And as a result, even though I kind of changed my way of behaving after my first year, even towards the end of medical school, there was a few people who would still have old pretty strong grudges against me because they felt uh, so emotionally uh, under attack. So uh, after the first year, what I decided to do is, well, first of all, I noticed, well, this isn't working very well. The more I tried to, tell people about this, the more resistant they seem to become and the more clashes and more uh, confrontations there seem to be. So I started, you know, reading our, uh, books around social psychology and, and communication, started incorporating these things into my own approach. And lo and behold, you know, people started asking me more questions. People actually started experimenting. Even a few people in my class went vegan. So it was a completely, you know, change in dynamics. And, and it was basically the, the most important thing was, you know, changing from the the mentality of pushing and, and, and telling people as much as I can whenever and, and this responsibility that I felt I had on my shoulders, I have to, you know, uh, make the best out of this and, and convert or like affect or influence as many people as possible because otherwise I'm not doing my part to, you know, improve the environment. I'm letting down all the animals that are suffering and then I'm also not doing my best to improve people's health when it comes to, to their lifestyle. So, once I, I kind of realized that's not my responsibility, that I can only tell people when they're interested and when they want to hear, and I can only live by example, and then only really talk about these things when people ask me, then, you know, the results were astronomically different. So uh, that was probably one of the most important things. But uh, yes, 100% there has definitely been quite a few, quite a few clashes throughout the years. Yeah, it's, that's so interesting. I think you hit the nail on the head as well, because it's so difficult when you feel the fire inside to not react that way and to not push people. But ultimately, yeah. if you want to make a change, like you say, we just have to be more diplomatic. There's no other way around it. Exactly, exactly. It's just uh, the way the human brain works. You can't get, a, get around that, right? And it's just so happens with a lot of things that the more you want something, the more you push it away. And, and the more you resist something, the closer you bring it to you, right? So you, sometimes you just have to kind of uh, play the game, as they say. Exactly. So I know that you're, um, you're, well, you, you've got an ongoing program at the moment that's helping, um, let me just quote directly. So it's helping serious vegans to implement their best possible holistic lifestyle. Yeah. So that kind of um, support and that kind of obviously you're coaching people to live the healthiest lifestyle they can, which is an amazing thing. What more can you want? obviously. But um, my question is really, um, how much extra education have you had to seek in order to allow yourself to be able to help people do that? Because I know in the past you've spoke quite a lot about the lack of knowledge that uh, medical students receive in, in terms of nutrition training and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so so that's a great question, and this is something I always talk about. And you know, it's one of my one of my favorite stories to tell. Actually, is the first time I went on a medical rotation in medical school, and I was in gastroenterology or you know, like gut gut and uh, GI, uh, intestinal, liver kind of specialists, right? Everything to do with the gut. And uh, the first the first rotation I was on, I met this doctor who was on the team and he showed me around he was such a great teacher he was showing me procedures he was showing me uh you know all this research and, and teaching me and, and he was great for the patients his colleagues loved him he was like this all around i was looking up to him and think wow this is you know this guy knows what he's doing is if i would ever start working in a hospital I, I want to be like this guy he's a superstar you know and then uh he gets his bleep on this little thing that they carry on you know the, the bleep the little it's almost like a little old yeah, pager exactly and then uh, he gets told that there's a there's a pharma a, a a pharmaceutical rep who's going to be giving a presentation and lunch is included and, and he goes oh Leo do you want to come we'll have free lunch and you know as a student I'm not going to say no to free lunch so <laughs> up we go to the to the uh, pharmaceutical presentation that they're going to tell us about all which by the way I think is still a bit of a strange concept in medicine it's definitely gotten better where we're not allowed to receive direct gifts from farm reps but we still go get free lunch free free stuff and then just listen to why we should use their drugs right. which i think is still a bit a bit strange but anyways we get there and he's you know being the gentleman he has, starts offering me do you want this cheese and ham sandwich do you want these you know eggs and i was like no no i don't eat that no 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 thank you and he kind of looks at me he's like oh you, you don't eat that why why and then, you know it comes up oh I'm, I'm vegan and he goes you know this guy has impressed me so far with everything he's done says, okay, oh, oh, vegan, okay, just one question, uh, where do you get your protein? And, you know, I was just like, no, please, I had this great image of you, don't ruin it now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, so this is the kind of thing, you know, that you hear from doctors, from medical students, you hear all the same stuff you hear from people in the streets, where you get your protein, where you get your calcium if you don't drink milk. I had a, a, a teacher, a tutor, um, who was a medical doctor as well, actually, and have in one case that we did as a class we used to solve cases together every wednesday and uh one of them was osteoporosis and she even she even uttered the words <laughs> to the whole class okay so how many glasses of milk do we need to give her <laughs> and i was like do you mean how much calcium does she need <laughs> like you know it's oh it's it's completely insane omega-3 is fish you know all this kind of stuff and and uh it's just it's really shocking to see how little nutritional knowledge so absolutely i always say to people don't don't really trust your regular uh you know regular doctor with nutritional advice because their advice is probably no better than a random person on the street mm -hmm. right so so uh yeah the, that's that's number one uh for, for myself then i've definitely been doing a lot of research on my own on the side you know throughout medical school and even before that i was doing a lot of reading through it so you know it's mostly self-taught now the thing i will say about doctors is even though we're not taught nutrition in medical school doctors have the potential to know basically almost anything scientific we can we can learn because what is taught in medical school and this is probably the most important thing about the medical model is the hierarchy of evidence and this is is basically how the medical industry works in terms of we cannot give advice to patients unless there is a good evidence base for it, right? Unless there's a good scientific background to show that our advice is sound. You can't just say, oh, I have a gut feeling that if you take this type of supplement, you will feel much better. Like, no, it had, there has to be an evidence base for it. So 
if doctors actually sat down and started looking through the research and started having a, an objective view over over nutrition, they would come to the same conclusions as all the big organizations like the Academy of Nutrition Dietetics, the World Health Organization, the FAO. They are all in the same direction that we should be eating predominantly whole food, plant-based. Uh, and, uh, you know, the fact that more doctors don't know about this is just because they don't, again, they're not getting taught it. They're not having uh, teaching in, in their programs and their professional postgraduate programs and, and they're not really taking the time to read over them themselves but we doctors do have the ability to go through the scientific literature and, and to critically or they should have at least as part of being a doctor you know and to to critically analyze all the research and it's just, i guess as of today doctors just aren't doing that so um yeah so so i guess that's what i always talk about is the hierarchy of evidence i try to teach people that not all studies are the same Right? One study is just a small piece to a large puzzle and to get a complete whole picture of what you're dealing with, you really need to be looking at the entirety of the evidence. And that is why it's so good to have all these large organizations like the World Health Organization or the Academy of Nutrition Dietetics are going through hundreds and hundreds of studies, which most people don't have the time for, right? When they came out with a report saying that meat and processed meats are carcinogenic, they went over I think it was 822 studies some, somewhere wow. around there you know huge amount of studies with you know uh, dozens of people working on that like top scientists experts in their fields going through the entire evidence so you know when you compare that to one study funded by a national egg board saying oh you know this is actually good for you and then you you compare that uh, you know and, and this is the problem with the media they compare things as if they were equals right but you know this huge organization going over the entire evidence versus uh, some, you know, industry funded paper. This is a completely two, two completely different things in terms of importance, in terms of reliability and how much weight you should be putting behind it. So uh, really having an understanding that not all studies are equal and having an understanding of that hierarchy is definitely one of the most important things in order to be able to align your opinions as accurately as possible when it comes to the scientific truth uh, because, you know, you can believe whatever we want, you know, what they say, people can, everyone can have their opinion, but not everyone can have their own facts. You can believe, you know, if you want to say that two plus two equals 48, that's up to you, but that doesn't change the fact that two plus two is four, right? And also you can believe that the earth is flat or that we are carnivores, but that doesn't change the fact that, that all the scientific consensus shows that the earth is round and that we are certainly not carnivorous animals. So that's really, I think, one of the most important things to learn as a, as a scientist in general and also as a doctor. Yeah, I think it's really important that you're getting that message out there. And I've seen a few videos from yourself on the hierarchy of evidence, which has definitely helped me. But in addition to that, I had uh, on the podcast a few weeks ago, Dr. Sam Stewart, and he went through the thought, exactly as you're saying, you know, it's definitely something that I need to improve upon. And I'm sure the listeners will as well, just assessing when someone says, studies show you know what does that actually mean and having a good look and oh, knowing on a basic I hate level that statement. i hate that statement when i say studies show or research shows like okay sh <laughs> what studies tell me <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. and it does take a level of knowledge to kind of unpick that doesn't it for us lay people i mean and, and I, I completely get what you're saying that's why doctors can have a knowledge on anything because they can have the knowledge to unpick it ultimately yeah yeah exactly exactly and that's it's difficult you know it really is because 
who has the time to go through dozens of papers? You know, it, you, yeah. you really don't. And that's why I think these organizations, for the majority of people, they are the best source of, of information when it comes to, you know, the most, the biggest, the most reliable, the most trusted organizations. And, you know, a lot of people that say, ah, uh, you know, appeal to authority. You can't just listen to the authority. Well, they're an authority for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you know, if you're going to go and, and ask somebody about planes, you're not going to ask, you know, uh, like a, a vet about planes, you're going to ask, you know, engineer like plane engineers, and you're going to ask people who have an expertise and, and the best expertise around it. The same thing comes for, for these things. You want to ask people who are professionals and who know what they're doing. Of course, this doesn't mean that the authorities can be incorrect. They, they have been incorrect and they will be incorrect. But when it comes to the, you know, just because something isn't perfect does not mean that we should just throw our hands and say, okay, there's not. You know, it's useless. We, we have to use the best we have. And, and the best we have in most cases is these large organizations, unless you want to take the humongous task of, of you know, actually going through the evidence yourself <laughs> and, and, you know, learning how to do that, then for sure the best place to start is looking at the, the most trusted, the biggest scientific organizations around these topics. Amazing, yeah. Uh, just moving it on a little bit to your own fitness journey. I know, you, as you said at the beginning, you're very... Very fit gents, um, you've managed to put on a lot of lean muscle tissue in the last few years. And I guess my question really is, is that and um, a plant-based lifestyle, it's such a cliche really, can you put muscle on as a vegan? Obviously, yes, we know that you can. Um, But my main question for you, I guess, is um, the bulking phase or if you like muscle building phase um, on a plant-based lifestyle. I mean, I know myself uh, with my own fitness goals, Sticking to a whole food plant-based lifestyle and trying to be in a calorie surplus can be a bit of a challenge. Um, but yeah. you seem to have, and I've seen you know, a, a few of your transformation videos, you definitely haven't always looked as you have, and you've definitely had to obviously work hard to put on this lean muscle tissue. Um, but in order to, mm-hmm. to bulk and uh, stay lean, what would be, because I mean, that seems to be like quite a good balance for yourself. You, you've obviously put on lean muscle tissue, but you've managed to still keep your abdominal muscles and you still look really lean. So what's, what's your secret basically? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the secret is to be a lean, mean, green eating machine. That's it. <laughs> so, heard it here. So, so basically, you know, you know, it comes to, to muscle building. I've learned so much from John. I'm sure you've heard of John, John Venus. He's kind of taught me a lot of, of what I know when it comes to building muscle and bodybuilding, lifting weights. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it definitely is uh, a bit challenging when it comes to if you're eating purely whole foods and you're not really sure where to go. There's uh, like anything else, right? It's Everything is easy once you know what you're doing. But if you're starting out and you're not sure, then there definitely can be challenges. And um, When it comes to, for me, for myself, I've always kind of wanted to kind of lean bulk. I never was big on the bulking and, and just put on as much as possible and, and get you know increase the fat and then have to go on a long cutting phase and then go back to I'm always trying to go kind of lean bulk where I'm just constantly trying to eat a little bit over my surplus sometimes it'll be a little bit less but over time you, you want it to be you know you, you want to be in an upwards direction and, and uh, it's not necessary to be so strict around uh, having these cutting and bulking phases but yeah absolutely I mean uh, the two main things that that I think can be challenging are number one uh, getting the optimal amounts of protein but also number two getting the optimal amounts of calories especially if you're very active and you're eating whole yeah. foods a lot of these whole plant foods are very, are very uh, you know not not very dense when it comes to calories right vegetables legumes whole grains fruits most of these you can eat so much and still have very low amounts of calories so 
it's, it was really, for me, it was, you know, that was actually a period when I was starting out with veganism where I was actually losing strength and feeling I was getting weaker and my physique was actually getting worse. And that was because I was just eating so much, you know, trying to, to, to make up for the calories, but picking the wrong source. I was just eating fruits and fruits and fruits and trying mm-hmm. to get as much, uh, you know, carbohydrates, which again, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, add to the fear of carbohydrates because carbohydrates are not something bad. It's not something, but actually when you're doing sports, you actually probably want more carbohydrates than people who don't train a lot. Uh, So, you know, don't, don't want to be adding to the fear of carbs because it's it's a ridiculous fear as it is. Carbohydrates is a macronutrient that means so many different things. And it's completely like any other macronutrient. It's not good or bad. It's, it's a very important part of our nutrition and our health. But anyway, so the first time I, you know, the first couple of years, I experimented with a lot of things. And one of the things I did was go extremely high fruit intake. And I wasn't, you know, I was probably having a hard time reaching my caloric intake. And maybe uh, at some point I I was getting a little bit more than I should as well. But, you know, it was basically um, training a lot. So I was doing athletics. I was doing weight training. I was doing all these things. So I was training sometimes twice a day, actually quite often twice a day. And I just wasn't getting, you know, I wasn't getting in enough calories. I wasn't getting enough protein and, and my strength took a hit. And I was really learning about caloric density, learning about all the different sources of really high caloric, you know, calorically dense foods like nuts and seeds, uh, more adding more fats, which are, you know, twice as calorically dense per, per unit of weight than, than protein and carbohydrates. And um, also just really being a bit more strict and a bit more, knowledgeable around uh, around that food intake in general so uh, that's really what it took for me was really the food aspect and and, you know everybody is a bit different some people have a very easy time putting on weight uh, and they actually don't have to think that much about calories some people like myself have always had a hard time uh, putting on weight and then you have to really focus on getting enough calories to uh, and, and the more you work out, and the more active you are, the more this becomes a problem, right? And the more you have to focus, okay, I really need to smash in the calories. So, so the eating part can sometimes be even harder than the, the lifting part when it comes to progressing for some people. Uh, and for myself, that was certainly the case. It was really making sure that I'm optimizing my diet for putting on mass. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I have to say, I've, I've been pleased with the results and, uh, you know, from, for me, when I went vegan, I was definitely, that's one thing a lot of people say, and it's, it's completely been debunked by so many people, but with John as well, you know, he was already quite big and strong before he went vegan. And then a lot of people say, oh yeah, you put on mass before you go vegan and then you maintain on a vegan diet. That's maybe that's possible. Right. But there's so many people now who have put on, on a lot purely on it and, and myself as well. My transformation uh, was basically all on a vegan diet. Uh, and you know, you have people like Nimai who have been vegetarian, never eat meat once, right? And and there's, a, I think, a female bodybuilder who's been vegan her entire life. She is very impressive physique. So there's just tons, tons of examples out there. But really, uh, I think, you know, now we've come to a stage where we don't need more, uh, like, evidence. We just need better ways of communicating and, and, and sharing this with as many people as possible in, the, in, in this nice receptive package where people can get the information without putting up their emotional walls and, and getting defensive, right? So, um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it when it comes to fitness for me, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to remember that putting on muscle is an extremely long process. And mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at it, hypothetically speaking, losing weight is a simple process. And obviously we know that it isn't psychologically and there's lots of other factors that come into it. Um, but building muscle takes such patience and it's such a long slog, isn't it? That, that I think if you're kind of trying to attack that on a plant-based vegan lifestyle, and it doesn't work. It's very easy to quickly blame the diet when in fact, you know, I mean, for, for years I struggled to make any kind of progress. And looking mm-hmm. back, I could so easily have blamed the diet, but it never was that. It was, you know, all the different crazy things that I was doing and the fact that I couldn't stay accountable to one program I was just switching, you know, from advice from this guy, advice from that guy. And so mm-hmm. I think it's just very easy to instantly jump to, oh, it must be the food. It must be, you know, mm-hmm. because there's no animal protein. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially when that's the you know the trend that you've been taught and, and fed mm. your whole life, right? If that's kind of the the social norm and that's what most people believe, there's a, definitely something there to be said. Where the more some you know the more people believe in something, the more real it becomes to you, right? So if you hear it all over the place, your subconscious will kind of pick that up and think, oh yeah, maybe that's a thing. Maybe maybe we can't get enough protein with that. And I definitely had my doubts in the beginning as well. Um, but as you say, there's just a lot of other things influencing and this comes with any health issue as well. It's just multifactorial. There isn't just one, one cause to, uh, and one consequence. There's, there's very complex things we're talking about. And, and when it comes to human biology and nutrition, it's, it's insane how complex these things are. And that's why it is so, for me, I think it is so dangerous when people try to go about optimizing their nutrition, uh, by just trying different things and trying to in their heads just kind of decide whether or not this is a good or a bad thing for oh i felt good eating this way i didn't feel so good of course like you know something is to be said for for how you feel but not everything is you know when it comes to nutrition not everything is that clear there are things that are good for you that might not feel that great and there are things that are terrible for you that might feel feel great even the you know the most knowledgeable nutritional experts in the world wouldn't dream to to self-experiment and and uh, you know not even document the results not even document the the, the method and, and kind of have you know accurate log- logical conclusions about what foods are causing what and and what is good for you and what is bad like that's cr- crazy completely irrational right and yet you see so many people are just like oh i'm trying a little bit of this a little bit of that i'm going to combine these foods and yeah i think this this works better for me you know i've done my n equals one study this is better than than all the, the, the research because the research wasn't done on me. I've experimented with myself. And so, you know, when it comes to self-experimentation, you have to be really careful when it comes to these, these things because, it's, we're, again, we're talking about extremely complex, uh, complex things here. And, and uh, you know, it's a, when, when you're self-experimenting, it's not even a study. You're not even controlling for any factors. You're not, right? There's a, what statistical uh, analysis are you using? What, where are your results going to be published? It's not a study. That's just, you know, that's just you experimenting. So I think that that is a bit something that, that I am not a big fan of, and I do think people should be a little bit careful of how strongly they believe in something and how strong their conclusions are around uh, self-experimentation, uh, especially if it's not done in a very, very scientific manner. But yeah, as you say, muscle building, long process and i think social media does have a a part to to be blamed for here because you know especially when it comes to the fitness community we're always posting the best pictures with the best lighting with the workout pump and we're flexing and this and that so you know people 
And, and I noticed this over the years because like I told you earlier in the podcast, I've met so many people now that I only used to watch or see online. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see all these muscle Hulk looking men that are like all like crazy. Like you see every single fiber and every part of their body. You're like, whoa, this is insane. And then you meet them in real life and you're like, hey, you actually look like a relatively normal human being, <laughs> you know, wow. you're, you're like, yeah, you're, you're still big and you're, you, you can see that you work out and you're impressive, but, but you look like a normal human being. You don't look like this Hulk monster walking around. Right. And, uh, man, this is what a lot of people I think who aren't working in social media or who don't meet a lot of these people in real life or who aren't that exposed to it might mm-hmm. not realize that Absolutely. these are not, these are not realistic portrayals of, of what these people actually look like while they're walking around in everyday life. They don't look like these hulks. And that's very, very important. And the other thing is as well, when it comes to transformations, right? A lot of people take a less than flattering picture. And then eight weeks later, it's like, wow, like flexing, post-workout, good lighting. And then, you know, to, to make it look the, the most oh, uh, yeah. ep- epic possible. And then people also get this unrealistic expectation of like, oh, I can... I can make this big a change in four weeks or eight weeks, you know, but uh, again, it's, it's a slow process and it's patience and you don't really see the changes day to day. You only see the changes when you go and look back over photos like a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, you're like, whoa, that, that is a big change, you know, but you, you won't see it you're looking in the mirror every day. There's no way. No, absolutely. And that is, you know, it's so important, isn't it, for that reason to keep a record for yourself as you've done. So then you can see your journey and, you know, just making sure that every so often you're looking back and patting yourself on the back rather than constantly seeking the next thing and the next thing, the next goal. Exactly, exactly. And I think this is a part of the thing as well as just not being that focused, like too focused on the on the goal and on the results in the future, right? Because in the end of the day, that's the only time you can really enjoy is the present moments right now. And that's why it's so important to enjoy the process. And, and, you know, even though you're working to improve yourself, you still need to be happy with where you are and happy and accepting of where you're at in the moment and what you're doing and, and not constantly have to have this impatient kind of craving for, ah, I have to get there. I have to get there. I have to be there. I have to be that. I have to do that. You know, instead of just being happy. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be working towards that, but you know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now, enjoying the process and, and uh, you know, trying to have that, that self-acceptance is, is very important, right? It's not like happiness isn't going to come from achieving a certain goal. Like, you know, you can work on something for years and years and years with the belief that that thing is going to bring you happiness. And then you get there and you're like, whoa, whoa where's happiness? You just wasted four or yeah. five years yeah. getting there and, and the happiness didn't magically turn up. Right. So, uh, I think the the psychology there, and, and this is something I tell people, I 100% help people put on muscle, I help people get fit, but I tell people, you know, that's not the end all of life, you're not going to get happy just because you're looking good, and you have a six pack, and you have big muscles, that's not the meaning of life, you know, what, like, the, the health aspect is very important, and, and looking and being fit, if that is what you want, that is also good, but, you know, being muscular and being healthy are two very different things, and there's no, there's no need to to be a fitness model there's no need to have a six-pack or to be super strong to to be happy uh, so so i think uh health is definitely very important and exercise is part of that but it doesn't mean that you have to be you know a certain shape or uh, have a certain amount of muscles or anything like that and i think that human psychology part is definitely something that is is has so much power to change people's lives and if there's anything i would urge people to to kind of start learning about it. not because you should be become a psychologist or you want to work with it but just for your own 
for your own life quality sake is learn a little bit about human psychology, learn about how your brain works and try to figure out ways that you can use your own psychology, use your own subconscious patterns of thinking to really just improve your, improve your quality of life. Because, you know, this is an aspect of life that is so key and it's an aspect of life that most people don't really reflect too much over. That's amazing. I think it's a really good note to finish on, actually. But just before you go, I'd love to hear about what's next for you and uh, both in your physique and also with your business or with your career or where you're going to take things next. Yeah, so that's a you know interesting question, Tom. I always I'm always looking to to improve, right? I've always like self development is a passion of mine, so I'm gonna keep you know trying to get stronger. Uh, you know, probably going to get a little bit, you know, add a little bit of muscle mass again. But for me, I've, I've reached a point where it's not really it's not really about like achieving a certain physique. It's it's more just about being functional and fit and and stronger, right? I, I really enjoy the freedom of movement and the freedom of, of, of being able to move heavy things. And it's, it's a nice, like empowering feeling. And, you know, even though I'm heavier than I've ever been, I, I can do backflips and I can do side flips and front wow. flips and all this kind of stuff that I, much more easily than I ever could before. And this is, you know, because I'm stronger than I was before. So even though you end up being heavier because of the extra muscle mass, you feel lighter, which is a very nice kind wow. of uh, empowering feeling to have. Right. So it's, um, I, I'm looking for overall fitness, obviously like strength and weightlifting and something and, and, and being, being muscular and stuff like that is something I, I enjoy personally. So I'll probably continue to, to, uh, you know, pursue that aspect as well. Uh, but when it comes to, to my career and my, and my goals there, I mean, the, the launch of my coaching programs recently have been such a such a, a, a big success and people have been really enjoying it so much and i've enjoyed the process so much that i've decided i'm going to be spending more time uh doing exactly that is working with people directly in order to help them you know improve aspects of of, of their life and we're talking about lifestyle we're talking about prevention we're talking about the things that have been scientifically shown to be extremely important for your overall health. And this is what the holistic approach means. A lot of people <laughs> hear holistic and they hear, hear, oh, alternative medicine. Like, oh, like, is this kind of like this woo-woo thing that has no science? No, but holistic, you know, it actually just means taking into account the entire person and, and taking the large perspective of really seeing everything instead of, you know, being like the mainstream medical model, which is okay. Uh, we've got the kidney doctor, we've got the heart doctor, we've got the mm. brain doctor, and we're just like taking little, little components of your body. But really, it's realizing that you're, you're an inter, you're a very big, complex, interconnected machine, and everything basically affects each other. And, and really, to get the best results when it comes to health, you're looking to incorporate all the lifestyle factors. So we talk about diet, we talk about exercise, sleep, relaxation, mental health, and the human psychology aspect is, is very important as well. So this is really a, it's a big passion of mine. It's definitely been something that has had a huge impact on my own life personally and has impacted people around me that I'm close to. And, and now I've been working with people all over the world and they've had great results. So it's just a, it's a really, really fun field to be in. And, and right now we're, we're looking at expanding and making this a full-time thing as well. So I'm really, really excited to, to continue with that work. And, uh, you know, other than that, continue to make content, continue to make free, free content that people can enjoy and learn from on YouTube, on Instagram, that, uh, you know, I, one of the things that I don't like about, about medicine, uh, and I don't want to, to be 
you know, making making this mistake in my own career, in my own life, is the whole elite, elitism aspect of medicine. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, doctors have the knowledge and, and, and doctors, uh, nowadays, uh, you know, to go to medical school, you almost have to be wealthy, right? It's like wealthy kids or kids who come from families of doctors and, and have uh, connections in the industry. And it's almost like, uh, you know, you have to go to the doctors to, to get a certain, like, no, I don't want it to be like you have to, you know, pay a price for your health. Like, you know, I, I do like the idea of sharing a lot of this information, sharing uh, a lot of this knowledge completely for free on YouTube and Instagram, these platforms, so that people can uh, be empowered to to take their life into their own hands, regardless of the, the, the size of their wallets or pockets or whatever you call it. So, um, yeah, that's basically what I'm looking at, is really putting all of those things together and, and just continuing this vegan journey and promoting that message as well, because like I said, that's one of my main passions. And I believe the better examples we are of health and fitness and, and uh, you know, of, of good accepting non-judgmental and, and pleasant human beings as well, who aren't, uh, who aren't uh, you know, living up to the old stereotype. I think that the, the quicker it's going to grow and the more it's going to be normalized. And I, I definitely do have the optimistic belief that, you know, in the next few decades, veganism is definitely going to become a completely normal thing and hopefully yeah. even a, a majority thing in the West. So we'll see about that. Absolutely. I'm completely with you. But thank you so much for that. That's been absolutely amazing. I'm sure people get a lot of value from hearing you speak about all the different things we spoke about today. But just before you go, where can people find you on social media? I know you mentioned YouTube, Instagram, all that kind of thing. Yeah, so Instagram is just Dr. Leo Venus, all put together. So D-R-L-E-O and then Venus, like the planet. Uh, and then YouTube as well as just, you know, Dr. Leo Venus in separate words. And that's it. So it's kind of the same for both. So it's pretty easy. Um, and yeah, that's mostly it. I also have a Facebook group and, and starting an email list and all that kind of stuff. But it's mainly Instagram, YouTube, those are the easiest places to, to find me for sure. And if someone's interested in joining your coaching program, do they, do you still have space for that? Yeah. So we basically just finished that, but we are actually opening some, uh, probably now in the next week or a couple of weeks, we're going to be opening five more spots. So there will be an opportunity because like I said, it's been so, so great and we're expanding mm-hmm. the team. So yeah, there, there will be a few more opportunities soon to, to join the coaching program as well. Amazing. Dr. Vince, thank you so much. And hopefully have you on again at some point in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to, Tom. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Take care.